during the season of Advent, uh, each Sunday, we're going to be looking at different portions of John chapter 1. And this morning, we're thinking about the privilege that you and I have um, to live in this era of God's plan of salvation in which we get to know who the Messiah is in the person of Jesus and how much of an impact that has on our understanding of who God is. And so I'm going to read a passage from 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 10, as we prepare our hearts to pray together. Peter writes, Concerning this salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully, inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but you. And the things that you have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look. I invite you, if you would, to please pray with me. God, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together as your people for worship. We thank you that we have the ability to be here, that we have the desire to draw near to you together. We thank you that we can be certain that you, even now, draw near to us. Holy Spirit, we pray that you'd be at work among us this morning, that you would help us to have a better understanding of all that you have blessed us with through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that you would help us to leave this sanctuary with a heart overflowing in worship to who you are and all that you've done for us, understanding that you are a God who loves us so much that you've sent your Son into the world for us and for our salvation. We pray for those from our church family who rejoice at the birth of children. We pray for Lauren and Christopher Branch in the birth of their son Warren, and we rejoice with grandparents Elizabeth and Chuck Branch. We continue to pray for Megan and Lucas Brown in the birth of their son Caleb, for Catherine and Jack Brown in the birth of their son Hilton, and for Mary Catherine and Reed Parrott in the birth of their daughters Mary Ruth and Trevelyn. Lord, we pray for each of these families that you would give them the grace that they need to be faithful to your call upon their lives to help these children grow up in the grace and admonition of the Lord Christ that they might live their lives ultimately for him and his purposes. We continue to pray for those whose hearts are heavy with grief. In that regard, we pray for Beth Fry and the death of her husband, Cal. We pray for the family of Buck Somers, and we pray for Kathy Walton and the death of her husband, Tom, and the entire Walton family. For each of these persons, we pray that they would know that those of us who die in Christ go to be in your presence and await the glorious resurrection hope that Christ will one day return to complete his work of all, making all things new. We pray for each of us. We pray for ourselves, Lord, that you would be at work in our hearts as only you can. And we offer this prayer in the name of your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and the glory forever. Amen. Please find a Bible and turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. If you're using a pew Bible, it's on page 750. John chapter 1.
John writes these words. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Um, How would you answer the question, what is God like? What is God like? Um, I would submit to you that I think that is the most important question that anybody can ask, and it's the most important question that you could ever um, expect good and accurate answers for. Um, What is God like? And the Bible largely is concerned with answering this question. Um, Who is God? What is he like? And how do we know from our experience in the world? And in the very opening passage of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, we get some understanding of what God is like. It's that passage that many of you have probably heard read over and over again throughout your life. But I want you to listen to it again. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And so it goes through each subsequent day of creation as the author of Genesis describes God's character and nature on display in all the things that he has created. And I want you to think for a moment, um, as you walk around the world, how much stuff do you normally miss? Um, How much wonder do you um, not feel that you should as you look at all that God has done in creation around us? If you're like me, you're probably guilty of that, that you're busy going from A to B, you're busy with all the things that are happening in your lives, and sometimes you fail to look up and acknowledge God's good and gracious and creative hand at work all around us. But the heavens declare the glory of God. You and I were meant to look at all that God has created, and we have some understanding and some idea of who God is. And then toward the end of the creation account, what beings does God create? You're like, is this a trick question? People. He created humans. And one thing that's unique about us as humans is that we are the only beings in creation that get to have this designation that we are created how? In the image and likeness of God. So that God, yes, we see his character on display in everything that he has made. And especially we see his character on display in those of us who are fortunate enough to be humans and created in the image of God. That you ought to walk around this world and you ought to walk around and look at other human beings and even be astounded and curious. Maybe, maybe today you should walk around and just stare at people and think, what do I learn about God's character by looking at other people who are created in his image? Well, I think you learn a few things. I think you learn that, that God... Um, is a being who exists in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that you and I, by virtue of being made in His image, we are we're made and we're designed to function best in community with other people, that you and I are 
creative, that he's given us reason, that he's given us abilities to do some really wonderful and beautiful things in the world. And all of these things ultimately ought to point our hearts to worship and adoration of God. And in Genesis 1 and 2, everything goes really well. And then quickly we get to Genesis chapter 3, and the story takes a real downturn, right? The fall. Adam and Eve, rather than living in faithful relationship with their creator, rather than trusting that he is a good and gracious and kind God who's leading them into abundant life, they believe the lie. They believe the lie that God is somehow withholding or keeping something from them that will fulfill the desires of their hearts. And so what do they do? In disobedience, they step outside of God's boundaries for their lives. And you and I call that sin. And when sin enters into the world, everything is broken. Our relationship with God is broken such that Adam and Eve go and hide. The relationship with each other is broken. And even our relationship with all of creation is fractured because of the sin and the disobedience that entered the world at the fall. And much of the rest of the storyline of Scripture seeks to answer the question of what is God going to do to make all things new? What is he going to do to bring restoration and hope where you and I only see sin and disobedience and brokenness? And so much anguish in the world is, is caused by a lack of understanding of who God is and what he's done in order for us to be reconciled to him and to each other and to all of creation. And one of the things that you and I do is that sometimes we fail to remember the good news, and rather than receiving reconciliation and redemption, you and I try to earn it or create it or make it happen. And so religion becomes this practice of us trying to be good enough or maybe read our Bibles enough or go to church enough or give enough or serve enough, or fill in the blank. And the only real problem with that is that you and I cannot do that. Amen? We all understand that. That no matter how hard we try, you and I just can't be good enough. And so in John chapter 1, you and I get kind of the, the other part of Genesis 1 that, that we, they didn't have the privilege of this part of Revelation. So in John chapter 1, it begins with what three words? In the beginning. And so those of us who read our Bibles before, we ought to be thinking what? Genesis 1. That there is this work of creation, and we're thinking, okay, pay attention. Something big is happening here. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So when you go back to Genesis 1 and you read, in the beginning God created, you and I now have a more full understanding of who it is that we're talking about when we're talking about God in Genesis chapter 1. It's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The triune nature of God that we now understand in light of all that God has done for us and revealed to us in the person of Jesus. In the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And all things were created through Him. I'm afraid if you're like me, your understanding and your appreciation of Jesus is not large enough. 
that we sometimes think about Jesus as just the baby in the Bethlehem manger, and we forget, and we don't wrap our minds and hearts around the fact that Jesus has always been there. In the beginning, in the darkness, before all the things were created that you and I know and experience and appreciate in this life, Jesus was there. And the miracle of all miracles is that Jesus, the author of life, stepped into the world in the person of a baby, and he took on flesh. And I hope that you can kind of see this recreation happening. As Jesus came into the world and took on flesh, and he started this work of renewing the image of God in us. You remember Adam and Eve, the image of God was distorted. Christ came into the world, and part of his mission is to live into the image of God that you and I fail to live up to. So if you and I want to know what God is like, you know where we should look and focus our hearts and minds most? Jesus. If you and I want to know the answer to the question, what is God like, our best strategy and our best focus is to look at who Christ is and how he revealed the kingdom of God and you and I start to get a better appreciation and understanding of God. And John says that in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. How many of you like light in the darkness? I'm going to say it depends. It depends. For example, if you walk out of the movie theater in the afternoon, and it's daylight, right, and you've been inside the theater, when the light hits your eyes, pleasant or not, not exactly, right? You need some time to adjust. Um, in a dark house, trying to get from one side to the other, light, please. And when Jesus came into the world as the light of the world, we had these different responses to the light. There were some who welcomed the light of God to come down into the world because they didn't have an accurate understanding of who God is before Christ came. And there were people in the world who were saying, this is what God is like. You have to do these things or you have to be born into this right family or this right people group or you have to be righteous enough in and of yourselves. And so there were some people who were born into the world who felt as if they had no hope to be reconciled to this God. And Jesus comes into the world, and he exposes the hypocrisy of religion and organized religion. And if you read the gospel accounts, one of the things that you notice most is that the people who thought they were on the outside were really attracted, and they were really drawn to Jesus. Because Jesus proclaimed this message that, that all of us who are sick, all of us who know that we are not well, and know that we need a physician, the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that, that God comes for and he desires to be in relationship with those kind of people. That at one point, if you thought you were discounted and you were out because you weren't good enough, the good news of the gospel is you are right, you are not good enough. But God has done everything in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for you to be made good enough in him. And so those of us who know that we're not all right, we rejoice and we love to see the light 
of Christ coming into the world. But the other kind of people, the ones who are self-righteous, the ones who think that they already have it together, um, they're more like the people coming out of the movie theater. They didn't want to see the light come into the world, and they opposed it. And darkness is the description for those people. But the good news is what? The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not what? Overcome it. For 2,000 years, people have been speaking about and rejoicing in the good news of all that God has done for us in the person of Jesus Christ. And in some of the darkest, hardest, most difficult places in the world. Places where you and I would think it would be hard for the light to shine. The good news of all that God is doing is that the light will not be put out by the darkness. And Christ coming into the world is most fully an expression of God's love for us. John 3.16, how many of you have ever learned that verse in your life? Some of you may have learned it first watching NFL football, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, right? That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Here's the thing, though. If you've been worshiping the Lord for a long time and you've celebrated a lot of Christmases, I think that you might be like me. And it might be easy for you to go through the motions of Christmas and Advent celebrations and not understand the significance of all that it means that you and I get to live in this era of salvation history so that you and I no longer walk around wondering who the Messiah is or if he will come, but you and I get to understand that the Messiah has come in the person of Jesus Christ, and it totally transforms our understanding of who God is. That God is full of mercy and compassion, that he's full of steadfast love, and that he would spare no expense to be in relationship with us. That you and I get to understand that God is love in the most full and vivid terms as he looks the person of Jesus. You ought to walk around this Advent and Christmas season kind of with your mouth wide open wondering at how you could be so fortunate as to live and be a part of God's people in this time so that we can look back and see who God is most fully in the person of Jesus. That you don't have to wonder. You don't have to walk around with that question, what is God like in your mind? You can look at all that he's done for you in Jesus and understand that this is what God is like. That he loves you so much that he has drawn near to you in the person of Christ that you might have abundant and eternal life through faith in him. And I'm hopeful for you this season of Advent and Christmas, and I'm hopeful for myself, that I wouldn't just go through the motions, but that God would do this work in my heart and my life, that I would be overwhelmed with joy, that I would be able to walk around and say, we know what God is like. If you'd been in my house last night, you'd been in my bathroom, it would have been strange, but if you'd been there, I walked in, I just think, we know. Like, we know. You and I know what God is like. We know who he is, and we don't walk around in the darkness anymore, but God has revealed himself. And you and I have been given the most wonderful message in all the world. 
that as we go out into the world and we see people who are living in darkness and they can't answer the question accurately what God is like, you and I have that answer. This is what God is like. God is love, and he's represented that love most fully through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the good news of Christmas is that anybody can experience abundant and eternal life through faith in him. And the way that we seize that is acknowledging our sin, confessing that we need redemption, and clinging to Christ as our only hope in the world. I hope that during this Christmas season that the Lord would do a new work in you and the Lord would do a new work in me. That I wouldn't just kind of go through the motions and get busy with all the stuff. If you right now thought about all the stuff you have to do between now and December 25th, you'd probably just run for the doors. I'm pleading with you this year to focus most fully on understanding who God is and who he's revealed himself to be in Jesus and allow that good news and that hope and that joy to fuel your desire to live in such a way that others might experience light in and through you. I invite you to pray with me. God, we thank you that you are a God who reveals yourself to us in a myriad of ways. That you reveal yourself to us in creation, that you reveal yourself to us through your word, and that you reveal yourself to us most fully in the person and the work of Jesus Christ, our Savior. So Lord, for each of us here this morning, I pray that you would give us a renewed sense of joy and hope and peace that you would help us to treasure and value you and value Christ more during this season of the year. Help us not to overlook the significance of all that you've done and all that you've revealed to us in Christ. And we pray that you would make us people who go out into this world and we bear witness to the good news that Christ has come, that we might have salvation, that we might have eternal life. Use us to be lights that would point others ultimately to you. We offer this prayer in Christ's name. Amen. If you're here this morning and you've never um, confessed your faith in Christ publicly and you feel like God is calling you to do that, um, know that this would be an appropriate time to come forward and make that public declaration. Or...